Amen. You may be seated. As you do so, I encourage you to take now your copy of God's inerrant, infallible word. As we turn together to our passage for this morning and hopefully for your week, a passage that will uh, begin to spiritually nourish you for this week, and that is Acts 2, 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Last Lord's Day, we were at Pentecost. And we were looking at Peter's sermon here at Pentecost when, when he, being filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up among the thousands who had gathered in the temple courtyard, these thousands of Jews from all around who, who had come for the celebration of Pentecost. Peter stands up in the midst of all these people, and he very, very boldly shares the gospel. He says things, that, as we said last week, probably may have sounded offensive to them. It was by your hands that Jesus Christ was killed. You're the ones responsible for the death of the Lord and the Savior. But he preached this sermon, and the Holy Spirit being at work through the sermon, and now and the people there, through the, or the Holy Spirit being very much at work through the ministry that preached word, around 3,000 people responded in faith to the sermon. They repented their sins, and they were baptized. And at that moment, they began to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it's an amazing day. It's an amazing an occasion. 3,000 people saved by the preaching of a disciple of Jesus Christ who had been a fisherman just three years before. And that brings us to our passage this morning. As I've shared with you all before, this is one of my favorite passages, Acts 2, 42-47, because it gives us a look into the early church. What did they do? What what did it look like with the early church? How did they do things? But as we'll see this morning, it's not only about the mechanics of the early church, but this passage shows us that this is the result of the preached word. This is the result of the Holy Spirit coming down upon his people, Peter being filled with the Spirit, standing up, preaching boldly, the people being convicted by the Spirit. Here's the result of the faithful ministry of the preached word. So as we look at it together this morning, let's go now to pray for the Spirit to be with us in this ministry of the preached word. So pray with me. Lord, you have given to us your Spirit. It's part of the benefits, the privileges of being yours. That the Spirit now dwells in the hearts of all your people. And we pray that the Spirit will be here with us this morning through me and through the ministry of the preached word that, it will be here, that he will be here with your people so that we will be able to hear your word read. We'll be able to hear it preached. And through the ministry of the Spirit, we will be convicted where we need to be and respond in faith where you have called us to. Bless us in this way this morning, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. So Acts 2, 42 through 47, we will stand together now for the preach or for the reading of God's word. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as any had need. 
and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The grass withers and the flowers fade. The word of our God stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. Membership has its privileges. Some of us are old enough to remember that slogan for the American Express credit card TV uh, advertisements where they would show people doing something with a credit card and they would say, then membership has its privileges. But it's true. Membership does have its privileges. I began to learn this lesson when early on as a teenager when I began to get interested in playing golf. At that time, there were only three golf courses that I knew of in my hometown. The one closest to us was at the Sunset Country Club. And they had a beautiful course. It was the nicest one in town. You could drive by on Pinewood Road and you would see the greens. And they, were just, they were just so green and the bunkers were almost this stark white. It was this beautiful layout. It's a beautiful course. But in order to play this course, you had to be a member of the country club. Otherwise, you weren't allowed to play on the court. You really couldn't even make it to the parking lot. So my family, we didn't have membership, so I couldn't play there. But the Air Force Base, Shaw Air Force Base, had a nice course. But again, it was only open to those who were serving in the Air Force and to their dependents and also to those who were retired. And so my mom, being in the Air Force and being stationed there, I had the privilege of, of being able to play there. But I learned this quickly. I could make a reservation for a 3 p.m. tea time. And I could get there at 2.30 and begin warming up. But if a general or a colonel or a visiting dignitary won that 3 p.m. tea time, you know what happens? Well, they had more membership privileges than I did as a lowly dependent. And I got kicked to a later tea time. So that left Pacala Springs, which was a semi-private uh, country club, but their course was open to the public. But it wasn't a very nice course. The greens were a mixture of, of grass and weeds. The bunkers had about as much grass as they did sand in them. And when you looked in them, they had about as many Marlboro and, and Camel cigarette butts mixed in as well. The general clientele who, who played there were the Sumter good old boys who would show up and cut off denim shorts and, and cut off t-shirts and and by about the 15th hole, they had lost their T-shirts. And by about the 17th hole, they were passed out in the bunker because they had gone through two cases of Budweiser. But I love playing there. Because you talk about no, no judgment, no pressure. They didn't care how you were playing. It was a wonderful place to play. But membership has its privileges. If I had been a member of Sunset Country Club, I would have been able to play on this beautiful course. If my mom was higher rank, not the third one under the bus, but if my mom had a higher rank, I would never get kicked off my tea time. Membership has its privileges. As we look at our passage here in the book of Acts, we find that that's what Luke is saying here. Membership has its privileges. But he's not talking about credit cards. He's not talking about country clubs. He's talking about church and involvement in church and even church membership. Church membership has its privileges. Being involved with your church 
having your church as a main part in your life, being devoted to Christ and you're showing your devotion to Christ through his devotion to his church, that has its privileges. It has its privileges in our faith, has its privileges in our life. It has eternal privileges. Church membership and the activity of church, this has its privileges. Now, I want us to pause here for just a moment and I want us to think through this question. I want you to take a moment to think through this. Do you consider being a member of a church, even this church, do you consider this to be a privilege? Do you think of, of all this, of, of, of Sunday school, of worship, of, of prayer meetings, of Bible study, of, of fellowship, do you consider this to be a privilege, to be a part of this church, to be a member of this church? Is this a privilege? Do you see this as a, as a benefit to your faith and to your life? Or is this just an obligation for you to fulfill? This is something you have obligate yourself to. And, and, and the good thing for you to do is to fulfill your obligations. So this is what I will do with the church. Is this a privilege? Or is this an obligation? I want you to think about that. We're going to come back to that here in a moment. The theme, one of the themes that Luke is laying out here, as we said, is that being a member of a church is a privilege. Being devoted to Christ, being devoted to his church has blessings for our faith, for our life now, and for eternity. So these verses do give us a glimpse into the early church and to how the early church functioned, but it also teaches a lesson that we need to understand that this is a privilege. That being a member of a Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church is a privilege. It has eternal privileges that go with it. So to better understand this, we, we need to go back to some basic grammar that we learned years and years ago. Look again at your Bible. I want you to look at verse 42. And what's the first word of that says? What, what's the, how does that sentence begin? What's the very first word of it? And whoever finds it first can answer. And. Right? The word and. Okay, now, here's our basic grammar. Do you remember what is the function of the word and? Ties two thoughts together. Right? It's, it, 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 it ties together a thought, speech, a, a clause. Right? When the word and is there, you know it's to be taken jointly. And this verse begins with the word and. So for us to better understand this, this sentence, really to understand this passage, we have to understand that it's being connected to what came before it. Luke puts the word and there to join what came before it. So what comes before verse 42? Verse 41. And what's verse 41 tell us? So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So what Luke is doing here, and we see it here at the grammar, is he's saying to the readers, he's saying to us, here is the result of Peter's sermon. It was Pentecost. Peter stands up and he preaches this wonderful sermon that the Holy Spirit uses to convict people. And Luke says, and now here is the spirit-driven result of that sermon. So it, it, I, think it's I think it's tempting for us when we read through the Bible and, it, and it's broken up in these different sections. 
We try. We, we almost want to treat those sections like they're their own entity. Like, like we did this morning. We, we just read verses 42 through 47 because that's how it's broken up in our Bible. And we want to think, okay, that is in of itself its, its own entity. So there's some sort of disconnection. But it's not how the Bible works. It's all connected. And what we see here, it, 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 what we see here in the flow isn't that Peter preached a sermon, people responded. Now we're going to move on to the next chapter. No, th- this is an all-in-one story. This is, a, this is an all-in-one story. And so we see that here in, in a micro sense. In a macro sense, we see it in the overall flow of the book of Acts. It was written by Luke, who was inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit to write this book for the purpose of chronicling the birth of the early church and then the growth of the early church. And in the beginning of this, this all begins... With the ascension of Jesus. As we confess every week that he ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And part of that position of being the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Was so he could send forth the Holy Spirit. To give birth to. To grow and to minister to the church. So Jesus ascends into heaven. So he can send forth the Spirit. Then we see the leadership of the church. The 11 apostles come together and say, there needs to be 12 of us. Judas is gone because Judas is a horrible person. And so through, through the wisdom of praying and, and, and the prayerful wisdom of the Holy Spirit, they are led then to, to bring Matthias into the leadership. Jesus sent it to heaven. Here's the leadership of the church. And the very next thing we're told is that the the Holy Spirit comes down upon the 120 uh, followers of Jesus. And what do they do? They go out and they begin to share the gospel. They go out to the temple courtyard, all these people around, and they begin to tell others about the gospel. And then Peter stands up, he too being filled with the Holy Spirit, and he preaches this sermon at Pentecost. And that now all leads to this passage. So this is all one thread. From Acts 1 to Acts 2.47 is all one thread. So here's what that means. It means that working backwards, without Peter's sermon at Pentecost, there is no church. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no church. Without the ascension of Jesus Christ, there is no church. But because Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit was given and Peter stood up to preach at Pentecost, here we have the church. It's all connected. This is all one story. This is all the story of the birth of the early church. And so Luke is making that clear here grammatically through this very definite connection to Peter's sermon, to the giving of the Holy Spirit, uh, back, to, back, to, back all the way to the ascension of Jesus Christ. But especially with this sermon, where, where thousands hear just one sermon, just one sermon from an apostle of Jesus who used to be a fisherman, and some 3,000 respond in faith. And the result of this is the Holy Spirit working through Peter and in those thousands, and the result is the church. What's the result of Pentecost? It's the church. It's us. And so the Bible gives us a very clear equation here. People hear the gospel, preached and taught. They respond in faith. And then they go on to be a part of a church. In our day and age, we want to leave off that last part. 
People hear the gospel preached and teach, and they respond in faith, and then they do what they want to do. But that's not the equation of Scripture. A Christian will always be in church. Now, just being in church, we said before, doesn't make you a Christian, but a Christian will always be in church. That's the equation here. I want you to look at your Bible again. And I want you to look at every sentence, the rest of this passage. And what word begins every sentence in this, in every sentence in this passage? And. It's all connected. This is like one big, long sentence. Who we are as a church. What we do as a church. It's all the way back to Pentecost. All the way back to Peter's sermon. All the way back to the giving of the Holy Spirit. All the way back to the ascension of Jesus Christ. And that is the privilege of being in the church. This is not a human institution. This isn't a, a, a social club. This isn't a good works club that we hope gets us into heaven. Every church of Jesus Christ was born from his ascension through his sending the Holy Spirit and Peter standing up at Pentecost to preach. And so what Luke is describing here is the privilege of church membership. Membership has its privileges. And so he lists out these privileges for us. But again, we're going to do a little grammar work here. In verse 42, what's the first verb that Luke uses to describe the privilege of being of church membership? Devoted. Devotion. That's a strong word, isn't it? Because what's implied in devotion? It's commitment. It's passion. It's desire. We're not devoted to things we don't necessarily like. We're devoted to, to things we, we do like. It's something we're passionate about and we have a desire for. Well, what's he say they're devoted to? They had devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. You know what that sounds like? Sounds like worship, doesn't it? Preaching God's word, praying with and for each other, taking the sacraments, having fellowship with each other. Luke is describing devotion to worship. Those are the elements of the worship of the early church. It's the elements of our worship as, as well. So here's what Luke is saying. These thousands heard the sermon. 3,000 responded to hearing the sermon, to hearing the gospel. They believed they were baptized. Then what did they do? They were devoted to the church. They were devoted to the worship of the church. To them, it was a privilege. It was a privilege that they got to go and hear the reading and preaching and teaching of God's word. They got to, they got to have the privilege of, of having fellowship with like-minded believers, of, of taking sacraments, of being prayed for and praying for other people. This passage tells us that 3,000 people, plus 120, 3,120 people saw the church and church membership as a privilege. So I want us to go back to the question we asked before. 
Do you consider being a member of a church, even this church as being a privilege? It's this. Coming to church on Sunday, beginning your Sundays with Sunday school, and then going into worship. Is this a privilege or is it an obligation for you to check off? I think that's a good diagnostic question. We need to think through, is this a privilege or is this just an obligation we're meant to fulfill? Let's think of it this way. It's this evening. It's getting dusk outside. And you sit down at your kitchen table and you take out your calendar, either your, your, your weekly calendar, or your monthly calendar, or if you're like me, you have it on your computer. And you start going through, you're going to plan out your week, you're going to plan out your month. And, and every, every Sunday on your calendar is marked Bethel ARP, 10 a.m. Sunday school, 11 a.m. Wor- worship. Every Sunday, all 52 Sundays out of year, Bethel ARP, 10 a.m. Sunday school, 11 a.m. worship. But as you start going through your calendar, you notice that there's a, a Sunday here or there. Or maybe several Sundays, or maybe a lot of Sundays where you find there's a conflict on the schedule. There, there's some sort of activity or travel, whatever it may be. But there's a conflict with church on that Sunday. What is your first reaction to that conflict? Is it a, you know, I, I really, I do hate to miss church. But, I, I hate for my family not to be at church, but we, we really ought to do this. We really ought to kind of, we really ought to fulfill that obligation. Or is it, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord in our devotion to Christ as church. Therefore, we will always do our best to be in church, no matter the conflict. I think that first reaction, that reaction of, you know, I hate to miss church, but probably an indication that you've come to see church as just an obligation to fulfill. It's not a privilege, it's, it's an obligation. And if there's another obligation that you would prefer, then you'd go with that preference. But it's not a privilege. Because when we view something as a privilege, we want it as much as possible. We know it's, we know it's good for us. It's advantageous for us. There's great benefit in it. The Bible often speaks of our relationship to Jesus Christ in terms of a marriage. There's the book of Hosea. There is... Uh, there's in, in the New Testament husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church the book of Revelation talks about the great marriage feasts at the second coming of Jesus Christ and marital vows are meant to be vows of devotion not obligation Marital vows, when we, when we stand there in front of, 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 of people and God, we take a vow to be devoted to each other. And I don't think any of us would appreciate our spouse saying, I just feel obligated to you. 
And I will be obligated to you until something else better comes along. Does that... How would that be for marital vow? I promise to obligate myself to you until I find somebody better looking than you. It's heart-wrenching, isn't it? And yet, in the Bible, our relationship with Jesus and his church is talking about in marital vows. Christ so loved you, the church, that he gave himself to us as the groom, and we are his bride. And there's going to be a day where he comes back for his bride, and he cannot wait to to, to come back and, and take her back to himself. And we're tempted to look at this and go, that's just an obligation, it's not a privilege. And Luke is saying, no, this is a privilege. It, it, it is a privilege. This is good for us, it's advantageous to us. There's great benefit in this. There are greater benefits in being devoted to church instead of allowing other things to get in the way. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord in the privilege of being His. Why why this attitude? Why this devotion? Because of the privileges that come. Look what he says throughout. He says, because they were devoted, they saw the privilege. All came upon everyone, the awe of seeing God at work through the Holy Spirit and in and through his people. Uh, them being able to see and discern God working wonders and signs as people, the, the fellowship of God's people, and how they love and care for each other. They, they bring each other to meals and they share each other meals. They, they, they take care of each other. They're, they're praising God at home and at work and with friends and with their church. And those are all the same privileges we get to be a part of in our devotion to the church. We, 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 we pray every Sunday. We have prayer meetings on many Wednesdays, and we have the privilege of seeing how God answers those prayers. We get to see, we can see our, our, our children grow up in the fear and admonition of, of the Lord. We get to see all the, the work of God in and through each other. We get to have fellowship with each other. We, we get to take care of each other and be taken care of by each other. We get to praise God with each other. We get to take God out to others. This is all a privilege. But I would say the greatest privilege is how Luke concludes the sermon. Or this passage is the last and. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. God used their devotion. He used the privilege of being their their privilege of being his to bring more people to faith. Every year, numerous studies are, are published and put out there that shows that the church in America is in decline. There is not a denomination in America that is not suffering decline. And some are slowly trickling out. Others have a great flood of people leaving them. And the answer almost always comes back to, you need more programs. You need to be more modern. You you need to be more relevant. As we joked before, rip out the organ and put in a rock band. That's what brings people in. But maybe we should listen to Luke and see that maybe the reason why the church in America is struggling It's because the church in America no longer sees this as a privilege. 
as an obligation at best is the dreaded chore at worst. If all this is an obligation, something for us to endure, why would God work in and through us? If we're not passionate about him, we don't have a zeal for him, if we don't have a love for him, we're just here to endure and get out. Well, we can look at other churches and see what happens. We look at other denominations and see what happens. Membership has its privileges. But where does this privilege come from? You have to have the right pedigree, enough money, the right friends, the right skin color. Well, let's go back to the beginning of the story of the church. It doesn't begin with their devotion. It doesn't begin with a sermon. It begins with Jesus Christ. Our privilege comes from Jesus. This privilege, all the blessings that come from it, come from Jesus Christ. It's the privilege that, that we are enabled to know that Jesus first knew and loved us and now we can know and love him. It's the privilege of knowing that he ascended into heaven so he can send forth the, the, the spirit to testify to you, to testify to all God's people who Jesus is and what he's done. It's the privilege of, of God calling you to knowing his good word and news and enabling you to believe in it. It's the privilege of being able to be in a church that, that preaches the Bible and practices the Bible and embraces the Bible. It's the privilege that comes from Jesus and the privilege of being His. Our greatest privilege in the church is that it is the church of Jesus Christ who He came for, who He lived for, who He died for, who He resurrected for, who He ascended for, and who He sent the Holy Spirit for. That is our great privilege. And Luke does one more thing here grammatically we miss. He says the greatest privilege of all this is joy. Luke begins his gospel with another birth account. You remember whose birth that was? Jesus. And telling that birth account, he talks about Mary becoming miraculously pregnant. And she leaves. She goes sees her cousin Elizabeth who's older and she hears Elizabeth is also now pregnant. So she goes to see Elizabeth. And do you remember what happened as Mary, pregnant Mary got close to pregnant Elizabeth? Do you remember what happened to Elizabeth? What did her baby do? Leapt for joy. One baby in a womb leaping for joy because of another baby in the womb. And that word that Luke uses for joy, he uses here in verse 46. The early church meet together in fellowship with glad and generous hearts. That word glad is the word for joy. What was the greatest privilege of that early church? The joy of the Lord. They were a church devoted to joy. There's the joy of knowing that they were known and loved by Jesus. The joy of knowing and loving Jesus and the joy of walking with him, following him, and trusting in him. It was the joy of being his. Many of us for years grew up with the preaching of Dr. Charles Stanley. And when I was in Georgia on Sunday mornings, as I was getting ready, I would pull up on TV uh, the channel that showed First Baptist Atlanta. I would listen to Charles Stanley he passed away this past week, but he often shared his life motto, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Because that's joy, isn't it? When we obey him and leave all consequences to him, 
we know that God will always do the right and best thing. And we're called to that devotion of obeying God, of finding that joy here. There's an African proverb that teaches, if you want to travel fast, go alone. If you want to travel far, go together. If we're looking for joy in our lives, we will go far in it when we devote ourselves to Christ and his church. Because this membership has its privileges, has eternal privileges, and it has eternal joy if we would just see it as such and devote ourselves to our Christ and to his church. Let's pray together.